Welcome to the No Clue Podcast. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Tyler. Uh, Mike is off today, but I'm here with Tyler again with our men's basketball coverage. March Madness is going. Final Four is set. We're excited. Duke, Carolina, Villanova, Kansas. Let's get into it. Uh, first, let's start. Tell me about some of your predictions from earlier in the tournament, the last few times. Obviously, I wasn't here last episode with you. So tell me about yep. some of the, your predictions. Do they work out? Do they not? Tell me how So basically, the one thing that did work out was the fact that I said I'll probably be wrong. And I said, a lot of times what happens is, you know, your great aunt is the person that wins the bracket pool. And that's probably the kind of thing that's going to happen this year. But yeah. for me, the, the my two biggest favorites to win it all were Auburn and Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. So two big misses there. Neither one of them made the elite eight. Right. Um, I, I did mention that Carolina had a path. I said I like their matchup against Baylor. If they could get yep. past Baylor, they'd have a good path. Um, yep. Duke, that was definitely a miss on me, and that's probably because I don't like Duke. But they have <laughs> yeah, a little bias the most, there. It's okay. The most talented team in in the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, if not the most, then definitely top two or three. And mm-hmm. Coach K's final year is just adds another piece to that puzzle. So mm-hmm. I think I, I definitely picked Gonzaga out of that region, but I also mentioned UConn, who got upset game one against Teddy Allen mm-hmm. and New Mexico State. Um, so the, the North, Car- North Carolina's region with Baylor worked out how I thought it would. I thought Purdue, Purdue losing to St. Peter's was just a complete shock. Yeah, for everybody. Um, for everybody. That's inexcusable. That really is. I mean, you had a week to prepare for St. Peter's. Kentucky lost to them opening round. That stuff happens. It's mm-hmm. still embarrassing, but it happens. Mm-hmm. But for Purdue to lose after a week of preparation in the Sweet 16 against St. Peter's, I don't want to take anything away from what St. Peter's did. You know, I mean, they showed right. up and they, they, they earned it. But for Matt Painter and Purdue to lose that game is inexcusable. So yeah. they would have played North Carolina to go to the Final Four, and they very well may have been in the Final Four. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how my predictions went. Not not the best. My brackets, I have I have one that's doing good, but mostly not not great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think good. anybody's. I, I, there can't be any left. There's no way. Right. No. 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 That that ended in the first round. Uh, yeah. The second day of the first round. St. Peter's probably. So, yeah. 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 Okay. What about the other side? The Kansas Villanova. Are you shocked at all? So Villanova did exactly what Villanova does. They just played, grinded out, winning yeah. basketball, really. Team basketball, winning basketball. So I'm not surprised that Villanova's there. Um, I'm not going to say that I picked them to go to the Final Four because they're not the most talented team. But mm-hmm. they have they have adequate talent, and they have a great coach and a great program, and that's what happens when you have great coaches and great programs. Um, yeah. And Kansas – Kansas has has a good team. I don't think that – well, now they're in the Final Four. So, they, they're two games away from winning the national championship. Um, you said you've watched Kansas quite a bit this year. Ochai Abachi yeah. has been non-existent, really, mm-hmm. in the tournament. And they're still finding ways to win. Their second half against Miami was highly executed in every facet, defensively especially. Yep. And he's so taken a play huge like that, setback as far as scoring. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's been – and they've found a way to still win. Mm-hmm. So, that's that's encouraging for Kansas fans for sure. Yeah. 
But yeah, I so, thought Auburn. I thought Auburn would be there, man. I really did, and uh, that would have been a great game. But Miami outplayed Auburn. Auburn looked terrible. They peaked too early, yeah. and that's happened with several teams. But Auburn really peaked too early in the season, and it hurt them in March. That's been a, a kind of a stain on Bruce Pearl's career, like all the time. His team always looks electric during the regular season. And then all of a sudden, here comes the tournament, and they just fall off. It's happened a lot. And I, I was a yeah. big fan of um, Tennessee when he was there. Had some of my favorite players of college basketball all the time. But every year, I, I just stopped getting my hopes up, wanting to see my players in the tournament because he'd find a way to get knocked off. Well, but and they should have won the contract extension. They should have won the, the year against Virginia, but. We're not gonna not gonna talk about that today, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he deserves it. He deserves it. He's been coaching his butt off in the regular season, for sure. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's hard okay. to. I mean, it's uh-huh. hard to hang a a coach's legacy or resume on the fact that he can't get it done in March because you have ninety percent of the ninety five percent of the season is played before March, so mm-hmm. you have to look at that. But ultimately, that five percent of the season in March is where legends are made. I mean, Jay Wright, he's a great regular season coach too, but when you look at Jay Wright, you think winner, you yep. think champion. And when you look at Bruce Pearl, you don't necessarily think the same things. So hopefully Bruce Pearl can get it done. I'm not a huge fan of him, but still, I think, like you say, he's a good regular season coach. He's a good coach and he deserves success in March at some yep. point. Funny thing about Jay Wright, he's had way better teams than the teams that, he's taken to the final four. Like yeah, uh, Scotty Reynolds' teams, like he had three years on his team where I thought they had the best team in all the college basketball and they just, they get bounced off early all the time. And he's, he's just found a way he's become a better recruiter over time. Um, his team looks like, looks more like a balanced NBA team more than they do a college team sometimes because yeah. there's no like standout player. It's just a bunch of guys who are just who really know how to fit into his system. So yep. he gets it done. I, I understand why he makes it as far as he does all the time now. Yeah, I mean, when you watch their games in the tournament, they make teams that they play against play Villanova basketball. Absolutely. They dictate the pace. They dictate how the game is played. And he doesn't always win. But when you do that, you put yourself in a good shot and a good position to win. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so tell me uh, some of your favorite games thus far in the tournament. All right, so... Which ones really stood out to you? The two times I've been on the podcast before, I've either bashed North Carolina or I haven't talked much about North Carolina. Maybe I was trying to keep my bias out of it. But (laughs) this time, I have to talk about North Carolina. Their games against Baylor and UCLA Mm -hmm. are two of the best games of the tournament. The Baylor game was unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, you should have seen the things that went on in my house during that game because <laughs> UNC was up 26 points. Brady Manning yeah. gets ejected. Yeah. So 26-point lead with I think it was like 12 minutes to go. And when he got ejected, I wasn't worried, but it took me about 45 seconds to get worried because you could tell Baylor was just feeding, 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 feeding. And so they cut mm-hmm. the lead to like 14, and I said, man, the clock better – better run out because if it doesn't Baylor will be right there and that's just what happened Akinjo hit a got an and one with like 
14 seconds left. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, I said, that's game. There's no way Carolina wins if this game goes to overtime. <laughs> right. And yeah. it went I felt to overtime. The same way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just an incredible basketball game. Yep. Uh, yep. To watch as, as a fan. That, I ha- um, also have. Um, oh, go ahead. No, you got it. Um, Michigan State, Duke, extremely high level game. Michigan yes. State played, has to be their best game of the year. Mm-hmm. They were hitting, uh, their three point percentage was over 50 for sure. Yeah. They hit a lot of tough shots. And then Roach and Duke just stepped up to the, to the plate and, and played a great five last five minutes. So that was a great game. And then the Gonzaga Memphis game, I really thought, I love the way Memphis played. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an excellent game. And Timmy just took over, willed his team to a win. And when he did that, I said, okay, maybe this Gonzaga team is for real. Maybe it is their time. Mm-hmm. And then they play Arkansas and that happens. So that, yeah, those that are my was, games. That was probably, that was like a milestone moment for uh, Timmy to me. And we're about to talk about our favorite performances. That was one of them for me. He just, uh, the leadership, it, I think Gonzaga, a lot of times, because they get a lot of freshmen in, uh, lately they've been getting a lot of blue chip freshmen in. They kind of struggle in leadership most of the time. Um, They kind of come in and the chemistry is usually off early in the season. But like we say on here all the time, they have the easiest conference probably with all the uh, contending teams every year. So they work it out by the end of the season. And still – a lot of times when they get in the tournament, I'm, I still struggle to see who their leader is. And I think that's part of why they lose so often. But I mean, Timmy stepped up big, big, big time in that Memphis game. Absolutely. And playing Duran was guarding him. I'm pretty sure Duran was guarding him, but Duran, it really frustrated me because I wanted to see him on the court. I, that, and he just made two terrible fouls. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was 40 feet away from the basket. I just don't get it. Um, if he would have been in the game more often, that game may have gone the other way. But that's yep. part of basketball. You have to learn. And he was a, he's a freshman. And he made a couple of freshman mistakes right there. And that may have cost Memphis a chance to make a run because I really loved the way they were playing. I mean, they, they would have given Arkansas a run for their money next round for sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that Baylor-North Carolina game, uh, I think North Carolina really – completely raised Akinjo's draft stock in that game. Like if, (laughs) if the NBA wasn't looking at him before by the end of the second half of that game, he's definitely got on a lot of teams radars, I think. Cause he stepped up huge, big shots, big defensive plays. He just looks fantastic out there. He took over, you know, I mean, um, Sochan played well, Meyer hit one shot, but, that whole Baylor team and the way games are officiated often help a team's play style. And mm-hmm. Baylor, when they made their comeback, they were allowed to get more physical and Baylor's a physical team. Mm-hmm. And so um, when they were pressing North Carolina, North Carolina, number one, didn't handle the press well at all. That's their fault. But number mm-hmm. two, Baylor could press and play tough defense. And Akinjo was the leader of that. He had a f- several steals. He made several big uh, three-point shots. And – like you say, he just really almost willed that team to a win. Thankfully, he didn't for me, but because um, that would have been uh, one of the worst losses 
for Carolina's program. I mean, to see Brady Manick <laughs> go out like that, yeah, would have been yeah. tough for sure. Yeah. I agree. I completely agree. So we, for the most part, we talked about Carolina's journey to the Final Four already. Yeah. Um, well, th- is there any more performances, by the way, before I before we keep going? Well, I any- have a couple of individual performances. Do you want to go there? Or- yeah, yeah. Tell me. Well, Caleb Love against UCLA. Absolutely. I don't know if you got to catch that. Yeah, I did, yeah. I mean, a, a lot of times during the regular season, I would get upset with this sh- shot selection. Mm-hmm. And – those same things happen, but bad shots turn to good shots whenever you make them. Mm-hmm. And whenever he got cooking in the second half, because we didn't have offense, um, North Carolina did not have offense going. And right. I looked over at my, one of my cousin's friends I was watching the game with, and I said, man, honestly, give the ball to Caleb Love. Just let, just let him do what he does. And that's the first time I've said that, that this year, and they did, and it worked. And his supreme confidence level – that never wavers is a talent. It's a skill. Not mm-hmm. many people have that. Um, it's, it's like the Mamba mentality type thing. Yep. Just, I don't care how many times I miss. Um, he was at one point in that game, he was one for eight, two for mm-hmm. eight, something like that. And he just kept playing tough, kept playing hard. When his shots started falling, he hit, I mean, he hit one from the logo. Yeah. From, from straight away. So he just – that was a remarkable performance, um, number one. Number two, Teddy Allen against UConn. Mm-hmm. He put up 37 points in a 70-63 to 63 game. And yep. that was just – I had heard about Teddy Allen a lot. I had him on my fantasy team this year, season long. But mm-hmm. I haven't been able to watch him. And to be able to watch him, uh, I expected him to be more selfish because he gets so many, so many numbers. You know, he yeah. averages 23, 24 points a game. And mm-hmm. in that game, at least, he wasn't selfish. He, he passed off to his teammates because he was getting double teamed a lot and still got 37 points. Just a remarkable performance there from him, for sure. Yep. And you from New Mexico State, by the way, so people. No, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Who so individual-wise, that's probably the two that stand out. Kim Augusti played excellent against uh, Kansas in the first half, but the second half was terrible. Um, and Arthur Kaluma from Creighton, I really enjoy watching his game. Um, he put up 24-12 and 12 against Kansas in mm, the Sweet mm-hmm. 16 game. I know that must have been round of 32. Yes, round of 32 game. He put up 24-12 uh, and 12 after they lost uh, Ryan Caldwell, who's been a great player. Um, this season he tore his ACL in round one mm-hmm. Kaluma stepped up hit so many big shots he was great in that game and I actually tweeted out I said Arthur Kaluma may have turned himself into a one and done in one because his athleticism's off the charts he's six nine he's got a great shot he made three or four three mm-hmm. uh, he really put himself on the radar with that game he, look for him next year at Creighton cool cool okay Okay. So we kind of talked about North Carolina's path to the final four already. Um, so let's dig into the other side. Let's dig into uh, Villanova. And we talked about Duke a lot too, pretty much. Villanova yeah. a little bit, but on um, what do you think is the reason they, they're where they are? How do you think they got to the final four overall? Well, by watching Villanova play, 
Mm-hmm. The simple, most simple answer to that is Jermaine Samuels. Mm-hmm. He's been outstanding. Abs- um, absolutely. And losing because Colin Gillespie, I mean, look, Colin Gillespie is a coach on the floor. He's an extension of the coach. He's he's a great player to have out there, and he's a great player. But and this Wright always has one of those. Yes. And always. tournament, though, you can't give Gillespie a ton of credit for what Villanova, for Villanova's success, in my opinion, unless you want to talk about intangible because he hasn't played great, really. Right. So right. that's maybe encouraging for Villanova fans heading into the weekend is that Gillespie has not played well. But the one about Villanova is uh, Justin Moore, who has been a leader all season for the for them, for his ACL, for his Achilles, and mm-hmm. the Elite Eight game, and will be out for the rest of the season. So um, they're a thin team just like North Carolina. They play six guys. So you're going to need yep. someone. So that hurts. Uh, he's a great point shooter, great, great player. Um, mm-hmm. Jermaine Samuels is going to have to step up. I think Caleb Daniels is the guy to look for because they will let uh, Gillespie bring the ball up. Him and Moore kind of switched off a little bit, but Daniels yeah. is going to have to shoulder some of that scoring load. More, uh, Justin Moore averaged 12, 13 points a game this season. So playing a team like Kansas, they're going to need Kansas to not have their best game, and mm-hmm. they're going to need to dictate the pace of play like they always do and dictate the style. And if they do, they have a chance. But uh, I am concerned about Villanova this weekend. Without more, mainly? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Only because they don't have more. Yeah. Um, that's a huge loss. So so Kansas, um, and we talked about them a lot uh, before the tournament started. And I think you guys mentioned them a little bit in the last podcast. So we talk about their versatility a lot. They're kind of stacked when it comes to athleticism. Yeah. Um, would you would you say that's how they got to the final four mainly? Like, what what do you think is their their key to success throughout their the key tournament? to success has been Remy Martin off the bench. Mm, absolutely, um, he's been killing it. He's yes, he's been great, and he was hurt all year. Um, yep. Even when he was healthy, I thought he was going to be a non-factor. I thought I thought one guy talking about selfishness. One guy that I watched at Arizona State was Remy Martin, and I thought he was a very selfish player. Um, mm-hmm. I saw him give up defensively a lot. I saw him quit. Um, I saw him take a lot of bad shots when, when they were down by a couple points, and Hurley really hated that. Yeah. But when you look at what Remy Martin has done for Kansas, he has accepted his role, um, which his role is to score off the bench. His role is to uh, um, every tournament game. So he's been great. That's been their number one key because, like we – well, Abaji has been off, so mm-hmm. he's been great. Yeah, yep, yep. And he, he's been – every time they put him in front of a less experienced guard, he's exposed them pretty much every time. Absolutely. Every freshman guard he's at, that goes out there and checks them, he, he gets buckets. So he's going to be a big key, especially if Villanova has to, you know, reach off the bench and, I mean – they're going to have to find someone who can guard him and be ready to yeah. guard him the whole game. No doubt. Yep. Uh, Jalen Wilson for Kansas is, has been my favorite player on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'll be a big part too. I, he's grabbing over 12 rebounds in the NCAA tournament and his shot attempts are up. He's shooting like 15 shots a game. He hasn't That's connected huge. as well as, as you'd like to see, but yeah. I think 
he has a good chance to start hitting because he's a great player. So him, um, David McCormick played the first five minutes of the second half against Miami and Kansas went on like an 18 to four run yep. with McCormick. In. Yeah. Then he didn't play the rest of the game. Um, I think that self is going to look at that this week. Look at the pace that Villanova plays. Pay, the pace is more conducive to big men. Mm-hmm. Um, McCormick had been struggling with the injury as well, but now I think that Saturday night may be a David McCormick game just because of the style of the game. Um, he's going to be a really big factor because Lightfoot off the bench is a fine he's, – he's adequate, but – Going up against Samuels and uh, Dixon. Dixon is a solid player for Villanova. Going up against those two, McCormick is going to be very important. Yeah. So look for that too. They, um, I think Kansas is a really underrated rebounding team in general. I don't think they get enough credit uh, for their rebounding. Brown is a great rebounding guard. Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. So, uh, Let's get to it, man. What do you what do you think about Duke Carolina? Who who you got? Who do you obviously we know who you want. Yeah. But who do you who do you have? Actually, actually, no, no, no. Scratch all that. Let's save them for last because we have more to talk okay. about there. All right. Villanova, Kansas, who do you have? We talked about what it's gonna take for each team to win. Who who do you think is gonna take it? Yep, I've got Kansas. No doubt about it in my mind, because the Justin Moore injury, it would have been a great game. And it still may be a great game. I've always heard that when a star player goes down, a team can find a way for one game. But then yeah. the second game they play out the star player, it's tougher. Um, right. So that may play true here. But I just think that the loss of Justin Moore will be too much for Villanova. And mm-hmm. Kansas, is, depending on how well they play, if they play like they played in the second half against Miami, I don't care if Justin Moore is healthy. I'm taking – Kansas, but I, I do think Kansas will make it to the championship game over there. What are you? Uh, I'm I'm going with Kansas too. I, I think that um, I think they're more versatile with how the game is going to go. Like, like you said, Bill Self can look at how Villanova is playing and he can make the adjustments with his team, with his roster, to how um, to what would be best in the game. I think if Villanova is going to run a gun, Kansas can do that. If Villanova slows it down. Kansas can do that but on the flip side if Kansas were to switch it off I don't I'm not confident in Villanova to be able to adjust to uh, a hot run by Kansas yeah so you're right and it's going to come down to Gillespie Gillespie's going to have to play really the game of his life (laughs) yeah for Villanova to have a chance I agree I agree so Duke and Carolina man um Coach K's final game against North Carolina. Now we know for a yep. fact the final yep. game against North Carolina. Uh, how do you feel, first of all? Not great. I, not because <laughs> I don't think Carolina is going to win. I don't feel great because winning in Cameron in Coach K's last home game yeah. was so euphoric. And <laughs> I was like, okay, that's the perfect way to end the, the Duke-USC rivalry with Coach K. That's right. a perfect way to close that chapter. Let's move on. That's 2022 and great. Yeah. The basketball so, gods were not done with us. No, not at they all. Not I was happy with the way that, that it was going to end. Um, who wasn't happy with the way that it was going to end was Duke, their fans, their players. 
And that's one thing that does concern me for Saturday night's game. Um, the motivation can get higher because it is the final. But Duke is hungry. Paolo said whenever they won the ACC semifinal game against Miami, they said, who would you like to see, Paolo, Virginia Tech or North Carolina? And mm-hmm. he said he wants North Carolina. And I've never seen a player say something like that. So, <laughs> yeah. Really home game. That's something that you, you shouldn't really let happen. And they did. So they've got um, some atonement to do on Saturday night, I believe. Right. Neutral court. Yep. Uh, um, you, you asked me a question before we started recording. You Go ahead and ask it. Yeah. So you're not from North Carolina originally, right. but you lived in North Carolina. And, and the fans, I want to know. Do the fans know you're from North Carolina? Have you mentioned that? Probably, probably not. No. So born and bred North Carolina, um, been around this rivalry my whole life. I've got my mom, sister and grand grandparents, big Duke fans. Then my other side, big Carolina fans. So it's really a nightmare for me. Um, (laughs) If Duke finds a way to win, it's just doomsday. So anyways, I just would like to know for you, somebody that did grow up in North Carolina, what the rivalry means to you and what you've seen in the rivalry. Oh man. So growing up, uh, I was a huge, huge Tar Heel fan. I mean, I had Tar Heel comforter and bed sheets at one point when I was living in Texas, uh, elementary school, like fourth grade, fifth grade. Uh, I had, I, it was always UNC for me. I remember we yeah. visited a few times when I was a kid, but, um, I really liked some of the, I genuinely liked some of the Duke players. Like for me, from the outside there's no like um i didn't get the if i like north carolina i can't like anything about duke thing you have to hate duke yeah yeah because i'm not like you said i'm not from north carolina so i didn't really understand that that was like a thing until um obviously until i like i got older and started like looking at colleges and stuff um uh so back in the day my first experience with the duke Carolina thing was um JJ Reddick was the first person I remember watching uh at Duke. It was Daniel Ewing, uh Sean Dockery and JJ Reddick against um this would be the Ray Felton, Rashad McCants, Sean May. Sean May, yeah. Yeah, Marvin Williams team. Great team. So and I yeah, I love that. I love that team. So um, those days were the first ones I remember. And I remember how hype it was. I remember all the hazing of, uh, of JJ. Uh, you know, people were talking about his sister in the stands. And it, like, it, it was just getting real disrespectful there. Then later Absolutely. on, I remember, of course, the Hansboro, the Gerald Henderson uh, incident, the <laughs> uh, Danny Green and uh, Greg uh, Paulus. Yeah, oh yeah yeah paulus paulus <laughs> and shire oh those guys man um but unc it was lawson ellington green Hansborough. see you, you see i was a unc fan because i remember the full unc team right you remember like rattling them off yeah from duke yeah um <laughs> but yeah man I, I i was always always intense it was always amazing to see roy williams and coach k going at it all the time it was awesome Yep. Uh, growing up, I I want to say I saw more North Carolina wins, but uh, it 
when you see him so many times, and obviously I'm not that old, but older people than me, when you see it so many times, the big moments hit you a lot harder, right? Like the Austin Rivers shot hit me like I was like, wow, that's so crazy. In this game, are you serious? You know, like that kind of thing. Yep. Uh, but this man, to see it come into an end with Coach K, I wish Roy and Coach K got to end at the same time because uh, they had, like, I guess the most battles for Coach K. That's the only Carolina. thing that could make this game bigger. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's the one and only thing, yeah. Yep. Um, but I'm glad Coach K can end on it with some closure of a win or a loss here, really. Uh, I've, yeah. The older I've gotten, the more neutral I've become because once I went to North Carolina, I realized that I had to be more neutral because, like, once I moved moved out there my, what was it, my sophomore year, I realized yeah. I had to be a lot more neutral because I would never be as much of a UNC fan as you, like you guys, and I would right. never hate UNC enough to be a Duke fan. So uh, That makes perfect sense, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had to do it. And then, you know, once like choosing college came around, you know, with, with me playing basketball and everything, I, I had to, I tried my best to be as neutral as possible. So now, right. Uh, Carolina's teams have obviously, I mean, there's no secret they've fallen off for the most part uh, as far as recruiting goes and right. Like, having stacked teams probably since 2017, probably. Yeah. Um, like, uh, the Marcus Page years was probably like the last year. Like I, I really was like confident that they would be good every year. Yeah. So, uh, hey, I, I always had a problem. I will, I will say this. I've always had a problem with Coach K because I kind of think over time I saw how Coach K really um, changed his recruiting strategy, whether it's whether it was for the better or for worse. I saw him kind of bend his morals. I, I would say the morals that he used to what really, he stood uh, on. yeah, what he used to really emphasize back in the day. I see that he's throwing all that out the window for winning, and that, yep. that never really sit right with me. Not not that I'm a major Coach K hater. Um, anyone who listened to our podcast from before, you probably do already think I am one, but I'm really not. It's just uh, I always just thought that was strange. Like oh we don't recruit this kind of player. I'm not going to, I'll never have this guy. And then all of a sudden now we have a full team of guys, guys that you used to say you wouldn't have recruited. That's a great point. Yeah. So um, yeah. him doing that for winning. Yeah. It's cool for the, for the school, for the fans. And yeah, you giving more guys opportunity to play at Duke, but um, obviously Roy never did that. And we see right. what, what changed. So uh, kind of the one, th- the one thing I'll say on that point, which uh-huh. I shouldn't defend Coach K ever. Um, yeah. Roy said, hey, I tried. He said, I tried to get the five-star guys, the top five recruits. Mm-hmm. Um, but Roy would have never gone to the extent that Coach K and Kentucky have gone to. Yeah. He would have never gone that far. But he did try to get top five recruits, number one players in the nation, and he, and he had trouble with that. Now, if you want to get into the reasons of why he had trouble, we could. But none of that is proven. Anyways – um, I will say that everyone tries to get top recruits. Um, if you're a great enough program um, in the spotlight enough, coach team USA basketball, then you have more success getting top tier recruits than others. Mm-hmm. Um, 
For sure. So I, I just want to know who you're pulling for on Saturday night because you haven't made it clear. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm pulling for North Carolina because they're the underdog in this. And because yeah. I, I do kind of want Coach K to go out on a sour note. I'm not going to lie. I do. Yeah. I, I want him to go out on the loss to North Carolina. I want him to think about that. I want him to pull a Tom Brady, but like, actually, I do need to come back because <laughs> <laughs> I got more to do. But no, nah, I'm, I'm pulling for North Carolina. I think North Carolina is hungry. I think yeah. they're, um, I think they're fiery. I think Duke is spoiled. I think the team is spoiled. I mean, they, they've won some good games. And some of the games I think they've won, I think the team, the other team lost more than Duke won. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think they're coming in a little bit spoiled. I think North Carolina just wants to win, man. All this, I see all those guys. I see no hangups. They're humble. They just want to go out there and play their hardest. And I, I like that. I, I'm always, always for that. You know me. You know the kind of player I right. was. I, I right. leave it out on the floor. If you want to prove something, go prove it. I'm always always down for that, so I'm I'm taking right. Carolina. Yeah. Well, I have to say that um, if an Austin Rivers type moment happens on Saturday, <laughs> oh man, that would be insane. Yeah, you may not hear from me for a while if that happens. So hopefully we can avoid that. Um, the world would probably stop turning if that happens. It really would, and especially in Central North Carolina, the world would. <laughs> We would have to we would have to definitely take a take a few days to recover yeah. from that. Maybe shut down sure. all businesses on Monday. Sure. Um, Chapel Hill is closed after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we can avoid that. Mm-hmm. But as far as the game goes, I mean, I do agree with what you said. You made some great points. I mean, and hopefully you're right. Hopefully North Carolina is the hungrier team because oftentimes that's who wins. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the number one thing to watch for. North Carolina found success at in Cameron by putting Brady Manick on Paolo. And more mm-hmm. or less, they, they wanted to make him a jump shooter, and he's actually shot extremely well in the NCAA tournament. So if that continues, North Carolina's in trouble. I don't buy his jump shot. He's a 30% shooter from three this year. Mm-hmm. And in mm-hmm. the tournament, he's shooting 50%. So if you think Saturday night he will regress to the mean, then that is good for North Carolina. But – the thing to watch for is what is North Carolina's approach? Do they want to slow down or stop Paolo? Or do they say, okay, Paolo, you do your thing. You get 25 points. That's fine. But we're not going to let A.J. Griffin shoot the ball. We're going to put Leaky Black on him. We're not going to let him touch it if we can, if we can help it. Mm-hmm. And if – my and Jeremy Roach has come on as of late, but he's not a great scorer. If you look at the stats throughout the NCAA tournament – He's made a lot of big shots, but he hasn't made a lot of shots in general. So if you can shut down A.J. Griffin, I think that's the key to the game. And Paolo Bancaro missing three-point shots and forcing him to take outside shots. Um, So North Carolina is a much better rebounding team to me, too. Yeah, yeah, one and done. You know, make him shoot jump shots and then get the rebound. And, and avoiding foul trouble for North Carolina is huge. They have no depth. Um, Puff Johnson is not quite strong enough to play in a game, a physical game like that, in my opinion. I mean, you can put him out there for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. But Dontre Styles can give you a few minutes, like I said about Puff. But if we have extended foul trouble like Baycott did in Chapel Hill, yeah. um, that's going to be a problem because Mark Williams is 
number one, he's great around the rim on the defensive end, but he's also great around the rim on the offensive end. So Baycott's going to need to be in. If Baycott gets in foul trouble, it's a wrap. It's over. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I hope he knows that, which I'm sure he does because you've noticed throughout the year, Mark Williams has played much better interior defense than Baycott. That doesn't mean to me that Mark Williams is a more gifted defensive player. Mm-hmm. It just means to me that Armando Baycott knows how important it is for him to be on the floor. Yeah. Um, it's very important for Mark Williams to be on the floor too, but they do have Theo John, who's seven foot, 260, right. you know, that they mm-hmm. can throw in for spot minutes. Carolina doesn't have a big body right. behind Armando. So mm-hmm. he understands he needs to stay on the floor. He understands that sometimes – Coach Davis would rather him not contest a shot than contest a shot and pick up a foul. So, hopefully, if he if Armando gets to halftime with less fouls than Mark Williams, mm-hmm. North Carolina will probably be in a pretty good spot. Yeah, I agree. I also want to commend uh, Hubert Davis's like progression throughout this year because I mean I think I think it was pretty widely accepted that he started the year off rough that. I think it was looking ugly for him as a coach. Not not that obviously it's like it's what is it is his first year, right? It is his first year, but you're right. Yeah. Everyone was um skeptical. Yeah, yeah. I've, obviously they weren't thinking like his job in any jeopardy or anything like that. I just think um they thought, all right, it's gonna be it's gonna look ugly for the next few years. It's a transition time. Like we just chalked this up for like a botched year. It's just he's just learning on the job. Yep. But we see that as much more than that. He, I think he trusts his staff a lot more because the staff is the same as it was as Roy. I still see Sean May over there. I see a lot of the guys who – Brad Frederick, yep. There. Eric Coots, yep, yep. Yep, yep, who've been there for a long time. He sent me a letter, by the way, when I was in middle school. Who, Hoots? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it, I, I see a lot of the same staff, so I think the same culture is there. So mm-hmm. I, I think that um, throughout the season I saw – more uh, collaborating with them as a team and getting better and better, man. I mean, they, they look great. And like you yeah, said, I peaking mean, at the right time. I think North Carolina is peaking at the right time, which is this tournament, because they had a lot of games that they easily could have lost. Yeah, I mean, I always thought they were an NCAA tournament team, but I'm not going to say I thought they were going to make the Final Four, because – when you watch them play, I mean, it was it was tough at times. And they found their core five. I think Dawson Garcia leaving, um, it was for a family matter, and I hope that gets situated. But I think Dawson Garcia leaving actually may have – depth-wise, it hurt North Carolina, but having Brady Manick on the floor for 40 minutes, yeah, which he would have never been on the floor that much. He was right. going to play 25 to 30 minutes. Having him on the floor for 40 minutes – change North Carolina season and moving R.J. Davis to point guard and letting Caleb Love play off the ball changed their season as well. It did. Those are two big things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, real quick, we didn't get to mention this much, but the – oh, so you're, you're picking North Carolina, by the way, right? Yeah. Okay. Got to. So – um, we didn't mention this, but looking forward, obviously the draft is coming up later. Some of the prospects we've been talking about every time you're on here, how do you feel about their performances throughout the tournament? Chet, uh, Ivy, um, Smith. We mentioned just, just shortly throughout we've been talking. Obviously, some of them have a lot shorter times than, you know, than others. So 
Right. What do you think well, about them as far as their draft stock? I don't think it really changes their draft stock, but when teams are draft looking to draft them based on the tournament uh, performance, what do you think they're saying? The NBA's well, teams. speaking strictly on draft stock, I think sometimes it can be worse for a guy to make it deep in the tournament. Um, mm-hmm. Like Abachi, you know, I mean, I think people know kind of who he is. He'll probably go late lottery, late mid first round, mm-hmm. but the guys we're talking about, we didn't get to see much of them. Um, right. Jabari Smith, they lost. Auburn lost in the second round. Uh, yeah. Gonzaga lost in the Sweet 16. Ivy yeah. lost in the Sweet 16. So as far as those performances go, um, personally, I think Jabari Smith played well. I think he showed – because really you don't, you don't want to look at the totality of how he played in the game. You just want mm-hmm. to look at, okay, the things that people say he does well um, – are they there? Is he showing spurts? His dunk on Brandon Huffman was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jabari Smith played well. I think he did not hurt himself at all in the right. NCAA tournament as far as draft stock goes. Uh, Ivy, I mean, I think really it was more game plan botched than anything. Um, mm-hmm. and he didn't help himself, but Purdue just against St. Peter's, they knew that they were small. Their biggest guy is like 6'8". Okay. Yep. And you've got Zach Eady at 7'2". So, what, like we mentioned before, Ivy didn't have space mm-hmm. to do what, what he's capable of. So, really, I put the loss on Matt Painter and Zach Eady more than anything. So, um, I wish we would have gotten to see more of Ivy. I wish we would have gotten to see him with more space oper- yeah. to operate. Um, and then with Chet, I mean – I may be wrong, and I know I agree with what you said last time we were on about how Chet can be such a mismatch on the offensive end, even though he's right now, and mm-hmm. and defensively he can he can um, be a liability at times. But man, I, I was when I watched him play the last game of the regular season. I think it was against San Francisco. He played outstanding. I was like, this guy's the number one pick far and away. In the tournament, mm-hmm. you didn't see that. Uh, he got right. in foul trouble, seemed overwhelmed. Um, Long term, I don't think it means anything. Mm-hmm. But I wish we could have seen more from him in the tournament for sure. I mean, he didn't really shoot from outside much. He didn't his mark on the game as much as I thought that he would. Right. Right. He's someone that I really wouldn't mind him staying one more year. I really wouldn't. I mean, I, I think if he yeah. stayed another year, I think – He'd be able to mature, get an, a full year of college conditioning, you know, the college, um, getting uh, his body right with the college equipment, college trainers, obviously, and a full year of just maturing, playing with other really high-level basketball players. Yeah. Um, but obviously he's not. Everybody wants to go get that money, of course. And I, right. I get that. But um, I think he's someone that, May may be a project if he does go to the league. That's that's the way I'm leaning right now, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. So, and then Paolo, the only guy that has played that is still playing, um, yeah. he's if if you buy the jump shot, if you buy that, um, it's hard to argue with what he's done in the NCAA tournament. I mean, he's really performed well. Mm-hmm. I think he needs to improve on his ball handling. He needs to get a few more moves. Um, he needs to get stronger because he's so strong at age 18. He's so strong and he's playing against, for the most part, 
young men, but when you go to the league, um, he relies on bully ball sometimes in college, and he should. I mean, right. he's, a, he's a big kid. But he's a mismatch for sure. He's going to have to find other ways to score in the NBA, and he has so far in the NCAA tournament, whether you buy it or not. If he can mm-hmm. do that in the league, he'll he'll have success immediately. If not, it may take him a little while. You know, everybody has a learning curve, or a lot of people do have a learning curve. Yeah. And they get to the league. Yeah, and uh, it also depends on, uh, you know, situations he goes to. He may not go to a team that needs him right away because of, obviously, the draft pick trades in the NBA have been nuts. So he may yeah. not go to a team where he he gets twenty shots a game right away, but then again he he may. So um, it's you know it's two different situations. Like we see Cade Cade went to a Detroit where now he's playing point. He has the ball in his hands more than anyone else on the team. There's a lot of room for him to make errors and him bounce back from. Him. Um, he doesn't really have any to penalize him for because the team is not looking to win they're not contending so you get in that kind of situation then you get in a situation where kind of like um on the like the warriors where all right kaminga's coming off the bench he gets maybe eight minutes a game here and there more now so than he did when he first started but sometimes some games he wouldn't play at all and when he did get get out there he had a chance to make three shots and then see how he looks. Okay, he didn't make the three shots. Let's get him out of there. Let's move yeah, on. Yep. So um, I doubt if Banchero goes to a situation like that, but he might. He might because yeah. I, I think if a team like Detroit had gotten Kaminga, Kaminga would be starting. So absolutely. Yeah. So we, you can develop. Know. You can develop from both ways. You can. You can develop great, but I do tend to think that being thrown into the fire in the NBA is invaluable i mean as long as guys are being coached up mm-hmm. the right way uh a guy a situation cunningham for his personal development i think is going to be really good for him long term yeah i agree, so. I agree. yep yeah i mean even look at guys like um like pool jordan pool who exactly was not like a huge, really 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 high pick but he was a good draft pick they sat him on the bench first year for the most part, got in here and there. Now he's starting and had 38 last night. I mean, so was, I did not see that coming, man. I really didn't. <laughs> I, I was a big fan of pool. I, that year I picked Michigan to make it to the championship game much because of him, but yeah. I didn't think he'd be like a, another splash brother. I'd really did. <laughs> yeah. I thought he'd be a good shooter, but not like, yeah, not like I was him. always high on his shot, but his uh, playmaking, he didn't show that very much in college and I haven't watched him much in the NBA, but man, when I've seen him play in the NBA, he is such a playmaker, uh, shot creator. Uh, he's not a standstill guy like clay. Now clay does, he he makes great cuts and things like that, but fool. I mean, he's a, he's 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 a legit ball handler. He is tough. Yeah, he is. Yes. So that, that's another situation. And, you know, the Warriors do that. They throw guys into the fire. They get guys a lot of good playing time to develop. And then sometimes you have places like I could see Chet in a situation where maybe he doesn't play the first year, right? I call mm-hmm. it red shirting. It's not red shirting, but we've seen a lot of the guys with underdeveloped bodies 
come in back injury, knee injury. They sit out the first year and then the next year they come, they look even better than they did when they got drafted because yeah. having a full year of practicing with, you know, the top 1% of basketball men. players on the planet. Yeah. 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 Even if they're not a good team, you're playing against guys every night. You've got trainers that make millions of dollars to make sure your body's right. Make sure you're eating right. Make sure your um, strength and agility is how it is. So they come out looking like complete monsters after one, se- you know, one season of sitting down. So yeah, I could see him having a situation like that because I've, I've heard about some of the teams kind of worried about his, his body structure. Maybe he may have a back injury or something. And I, I'm going to be honest. I think a lot of times the NBA like makes up some of those things like, Oh yeah. Uh, his lower back is weak. We're afraid to put him out there because one wrong thing and he can be out. So he's just going to sit down for a while. Like, yeah. Okay. And then they, they want to try like, to mess with stock draft stock probably. That too. Yeah. And then they come out when they start playing and start averaging like 28, like Michael Porter jr. First game, first, like five games he had, he looked like the best player in the NBA. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. <laughs> So I could see something like his that first happening. game back. Plays first yeah. game back after being out for like a year. He hit <laughs> was was it his first game back or second? But anyways, right when he came back, he made like seven threes. Yeah, his first shot was him dunking on the whole Cleveland <laughs> roster, which they had to make sure he was one hundred percent. You know, that's a different type of injury. Yeah. So they knew that he was one hundred percent really, but still, like you say, after long layoffs, to come out and just look like a complete monster is pretty weird, but. Yeah, it happens, but it happens. Yeah. Like like you said, sometimes it is them sitting them a lot longer than they need to sit. Uh, but you know how it is. Anyway, yeah. um, anything else you want to touch on when it comes to the Final Four or the championship, anything? Well, I mean, other than the fact that the, this North Carolina Duke game is the biggest game, it would be the biggest win for either school. I can't believe this time. is the first time they met in the tournament. Yeah, yeah. I mean – I didn't want it to happen, but it's here. And now you just have to embrace it. Um, hope it goes your way. Uh, Duke's win over Kentucky when Leitner hit the shot was that was a big one. But I don't see how you could have a bigger win unless it's the national championship game, Duke versus North Carolina. Then this game right here is so big for Duke. It's so big for them to avenge their loss, Coach K's last home game, and not let him have his last loss to North Carolina. And the other way around, North Carolina has – battled back from adversity. They are an 11-loss team in the Final Four with the chance to hand Coach K his last home loss and his last loss of all time. I mean, it doesn't get much more storybook for either side. And the one thing I will watch for is a letdown game for the winner of that game. It's funny to say letdown in the national championship game, but you're playing the biggest game of all time, probably the most watched college basketball game of all time. And yeah. then the winner's got to turn around and play Monday night. Mm-hmm. So I think the winner of Kansas Villanova will be in an advantageous spot because of that. Mm-hmm. But um, it'd be hard for me to believe that the winner of Duke, North Carolina, doesn't find a way to get it done on Monday night. Yeah. So we'll have to, we just have to see. It's going to be exciting. Hopefully it'll be exciting. Um, might not be. I just wanted Ye- two great games. You're completely right about the letdown game because there's been a lot of times where the final four game is so exciting. It's so major. And then the championship game comes and it's like, uh, yeah, this is cool. But like, this really doesn't even uh, stack up against 
the final four game, like one of yeah. the meetings in the final four game. I think the Duke, um, the year Duke in Wisconsin, was it Duke? In, yeah, I think it was Duke in Kaminsky's year. Yeah, yes. Yeah, that that situation kind of happened that year, um, more or less. But th- that was the one time I remember because I was like, man, I mean, what could possibly happen in the next game? Because the final four games were fantastic. You right. Know, yeah. Um, Duke yeah. and uh, Butler that year too was one of those. And um, Hayward almost hit the bank shot at the buzzer to win it. That would have been wild. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. Cool. Looking forward to it. Well, thanks for coming again, man. You know, I love having you. Uh, Absolutely. Thank you. We will um, definitely, definitely going to have you back, maybe between the games, but definitely for the draft. For the, uh, yeah, 100% for the draft. Uh, Thanks for everyone for listening. Uh, Michael will be back next week. Uh, He just needed a little break. It's all good. I hold it down for him. Uh, Make sure you check out our women's basketball tournament coverage we did. Uh, just dropped uh, this morning. So check that out. Um, And stay tuned for next week as we recap the final four games in the championship. So um, again, thanks for listening. Check us out, follow us on socials, and uh, we'll see you next time.